0: That's right, you're listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Podcast, the alternative underground dive bar fan podcast of the Seattle Mariners, brought to you by OB-City Entertainment. And now, the host of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Podcast, Myron Sutner. 18 right of the rye bread and mustard podcast and today on the episode we're gonna quickly review the three game sweep in um oakland we're gonna uh, also talk about uh you know the the broadcast over the week, over this week, that was a lot of fun. I mean, it was very strange. It was a little bit odd. You wouldn't think, you know, all this uh, fun stuff was going to happen on a broadcast or on the radio side. But, you know, the Oakland Coliseum, you know, it throws curveballs and uh, we like curveballs here on the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. We'll also talk about Trout and the Anaheim series coming up here. And we're also going to dive into this slick ball controversy that's going on. I mean, Major League Baseball just seems to be like, hey, get these slick balls out of my face, right? And, uh, you know, and okay, sure. We're going to review the shit list. We'll review the shit list. We'll see who's trending up and who's trying to get off of it, but... Also, thank you to our listeners and our new listeners for liking and subscribing. Uh, You know, when you subscribe, you get the new episodes. You're not wondering which episode's coming up next. It just goes right on to your device. And, you know, it helps the show out quite a bit. Also, what helps the show out is if you rate and, uh, you know, write us a review. If you're really enjoying the show, we'd love to hear about it. Also, you can send your questions and comments and concerns to rye bread and mustard podcast that's rye bread and mustard podcast all spelled out lowercase one long ass word rye bread and mustard podcast at gmail.com we're also on instagram facebook and the twitter so check us out let's we'll be friends with you be friends with us on any of your social medias, just look up Rye Bread and Mustard podcast and you will find us. But I'm going to shut the hell up and bring you, right, Hanno, with or without Kopi, right now, episode 18 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. All right, we're back. Yep. We're, look, uh, Hanno, I don't know if Kopi's going to join us here, but, uh, uh, I know you and I, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot on our threads. It took us a lot to get through that last episode. You know, the title of that last episode was Panic uh, Button, right? It's time to hit the panic button or whatever it is. We were hitting it. I'll be the first to admit freaking out. Definitely, you know, getting caught up in what the rest of Mariner's Nation is saying and what, you know, drunks in the uh Edgar's Cantina are saying, and, and where is your emotional level compared to last episode? If you were listening to uh the last episode, any of the listeners on episode 17, that was our most cathartic uh emotional episode. On definitely was hitting the pat, holding the panic button down firm. Uh, i think you were right there with me a little bit not panic but disappointment and you know kopi you know he's the ultimate mariner optimistic that's why it's a good mix here on the rye bread mustard podcast but where are you emotionally now that we just swept a team on the road to start off our road trip we're three and zero. another win at a uh, Oakland, Alameda, whatever the fuck they want to call it, stadium. Rick Henderson Field. Are we sweeping those uh, emotions under the rug?
1: Um, not quite yet, but I'm much better. Um, We did what we were supposed to. Went down there, took care of business, and uh, yeah, feeling, feeling a lot better.
0: I am pumped up today. Obviously winning cures a lot. You know, one of my best friends is a is a Yankees fan. In fact, when I called him today with the excitement of, Hey, we're back on the ball. We just swept somebody. And I was talking about the game and he goes, dude, are you literally calling me in the middle of my Houston Astros Yankees game to talk about an Oakland A's Mariners day game? He literally, (laughs) he literally said that
1: to me. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. The Yankees fans are flying high lately.
0: they, They are flying high. Um, But, you know, I'm flying high. I'm sweeping all those feelings. I'm sweeping the shit list (laughs) that we made. Uh, I'm sweeping under the rug for right now. Feeling a lot better. Game one, uh, they went out there right away, took care of business, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what was exciting is, uh, you know, first game, everybody's down on them, I'm down on them. And they uh, came right out of the gates. you know, scored some runs, had that – Back to back to back homer by uh, Julio Winker and Bubbles, you know, in Yeohenio Suarez. So, yeah, starting to get off to an early lead.
0: That back to back to back home run was pretty exciting. That's what the third time in uh, franchise history that that has happened. Uh, when did it happen last? In 2004, if, if I
1: could Yeah, by uh, Miguel Olivo. Jose Lopez and Hiram Boca Chica. Oh,
0: Mariner's murderer row of
1: uh um of, of wait, who's <laughs> the last one? Hiram Boca Chica.
0: Hiram Boca
1: Chica, I like that
0: So Hiram, but I
1: think it's pronounced Hiram, I'm not
0: sure. Okay. Uh Do You remember I, him? I don't remember that, and I don't I'm just surprised that I don't remember somebody with uh, that name that, you know, just Very uh, effervescent name. Uh, I don't remember that name on the back of a jersey. And before that, it was A. Rod, Griffey, Edgar, which is what—that's a Hall of Fame back-to-back backer. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, those are the names you would kind of expect to do something like that. Other than those previous guys, so yeah.
0: Yeah, so that was a I mean that felt great that 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 8 to nothing but also I was very skeptical after them not hitting, you know, what they didn't even score 8 runs or is that as many runs as they scored in the previous 5 game series against Mike Trout and the Angels. So I would say I felt very skeptical after that game, but look, they came out there they had on the dark blue jerseys and the gray pants my favorite uh Look for the team, and to me, I mean, I have to see some stats, maybe I'm just making this up, but they seem to do really well when they wear that combo of uniform. And I noticed that they showed up the next day for game two in that same uh, color combo of uniform.
1: Yeah, it kind of seems like their go-to uniform lately. Uh, definitely on the road. I hardly ever see them in the uh away Seattle Grays.
0: Yeah, and also there in Game One, we got to see Ken Giles. We've been waiting for Ken Giles right for ever.
1: That's true. He got a nice little easy um, start to start off his minor career after injuries the last couple of years. Yeah, it was exciting to see him um, with a big lead and go out there and do his thing. He should be a uh, another plus arm in our bullpen.
0: Yeah, and I heard on Seven Ten Bump was asking him about his. Uh, you know his debut you know from for the Mariners and also not pitching for a couple of years and he said did it feel better to be down in Oakland where there's not a huge crowd or or, you know it's not it, it might not have that major league feel to a viewer or an outsider but he's Said, you know, no, once you're out there on the major league mound, you're on a major league mound. It doesn't matter how many people are out there, it's still terrifying as hell, basically, was what he said. But he went out there and he took care of business. And that's good to see. We need extra arms in the bullpen, especially if our offense is going to be inconsistent. So that was great to see that we have somebody out there that's done this his entire career and has been to the mountaintop, but won a World Series with the uh, you know, Astros or the Asterix, whatever you want to call it. doesn't matter. I don't think they were helping the pitchers out too much.
1: No, yeah, he was in the top echelon of closers a few years ago, like you said, with Houston. And, uh, you know, he kind of was off the radar since he hasn't played in a couple of years. But, yeah, it was good for him to get out there, a nice little soft landing, and uh, knock down the wind for us.
0: and game 2 was they were they got two eight runs very fast in this game pretty quick they got right out of the gate early on and just kept the pressure on that's what i would call a complete victory complete ass kicking yesterday um tell me about uh, game 2
1: yeah i mean same thing got out to an early hot start um big dumper cal raleigh um showing his power with another home run, and then uh, Jesse Winker, you know, the guy we kind of gave a little BS about, uh, really stepped up um, his second home run in as many games, and, yeah, it was sweet.
0: Yeah, and I can't say anything uh, but positive stuff about Winker from Game 1 and Game 2, nor am I going to say anything that's not positive. I did see after they – what was it, Game 1, or maybe it was Game 2 – they did this little expose on, you know, the pregame on Root Sports, and it was about him and how his daughter was at the game, who came to, flew down with his mother to the game, and, like, talking about his transition to the Mariners and just how great of a father he was. Just really made me feel like a piece of shit for writing this guy so hard at the beginning of this podcast. But, listen, yes, we put him on our shit list, which we'll – See how our shit list is doing at the end of this episode. But again, with the shit list, it's like being in the doghouse. You know what? You, you put people you love and respect on shit lists, on your shit lists in life, and sometimes you're on their shit list. It comes from a place of love. We love our Seattle Mariners. Just, yeah, we were feeling emotional uh, last episode. Anyways, we'll get to that list at the end of this episode. Yeah, game two, loved it. Just offense, offense, just manufacturing runs, hitting home runs. It was a, another strong victory. Also here in game two, when, uh, you know, you have a position player out, like we've called, that's pretty much the mercy rule. They they had a position player pitching at the end of the game. He actually did pretty good, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, Kopey, wherever Kopey is, he, uh, we were talking back and forth between, uh, between that game. And, uh, I couldn't tell, but he thought uh, the pitcher was throwing a bunch of knuckleballs up there, you know. So, that's kind of what you expect out of position players, kind of just trying out the repertoire. Yeah. But uh,
0: And Oakland yeah. has so many new players on their squad that you don't know who's a position player or who's a, a a pitcher. If you get late into the game and you just start throwing names at me, I don't know. I don't really know uh, anybody except for the pitcher who pitched <laughs> today's uh, Game 3 I I couldn't tell you who's who's in Oakland A right now. I know Elvis Andrews, uh, you know just just because we know that name, but that's about it. Oh, Tony, yeah, Kemp. I might say Elvis Andrews, Tony Camp, and what's even the name of the guy who pitched today? Who's really
1: good? Yeah, Ruddy Montas. Freddy yeah, he's Montas. a good player.
0: So there's three names, and I know their managers' names, uh, Mark Katsay, and that I guess will segue us into Game Three today. Uh, you know, if the Mariners are going to catch up, we're going to make up some ground. Uh, we're going to have to steal some games. We're going to have to uh, take some games that we shouldn't win. And this was one of them today, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, after the last two games, you know, coming out really slow and saying, oh, here we go again with the bats being quiet. But uh, like you said, it's good to steal one. Um, what did you think of Robbie Ray today?
0: He looked great. I mean, even in the first inning, he wasn't giving up hard hit balls. Yeah, you know, they manufactured a run off of him. Um, But you know what? I like seeing him go out there and only giving up one run. And if that's going to be his big inning, hey, that's as uh, great of a big inning as I would like to see. Okay? (laughs) One. You know, just a one. One singular run. Uh, you know the rest of the way he was pretty lights out He was using the whole plate like bill krueger's been talking about Um, you know, he stayed in there a couple times he got on the ropes and and you know He couldn't give up a run. I think his very last inning there You know, I think he started the inning with what first and second and nobody out or a guy on second and nobody out And you know, he gets the strikeouts. He gets the pop-ups. He's out of there Also look at the rest of the bullpen you know when the story was the Mariners are just about to be no hit. What were we eight and or no seven and two thirds of of the game was no hit until Frazier got a hit, followed by yeah. Torrens two hits, and crazy that those two hits had nothing to do with the runs that we scored. We'll get to that in a second, but also, you know, we really got to just you know fucking be. Popping some champagne on the plane to Oakland with the bullpen. They held this thing down along with Robbie Ray today.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the first time we won three in a row games since early April when the season started and we got off to that hot streak of 11 and six. But, um, yeah, it was a good win. to steal down there and Robbie Ray, he's been outstanding lately. He's only given up one run in his last 20 innings. Um, A little thing that kind of happened in the game was I saw Ty France go down on that play, collision play at first. Uh, What did you see out of it? Uh,
0: Yeah, it was just uh, a very hard uh, thrown ball being charged from third base. It didn't seem very deep. The ball started to sail down the line towards uh, home plate. I did see France make that catch, and I – when I was watching that, I said, wow, that's such a stretch. Whoa, that was a, you know, <laughs> more than a, it just looked off. And then, you know, the glove comes flying out. He hits the ground. What really sucks about that is we should have been out of that inning two, three pitches ago. And then again, and we didn't get out of the inning. And things like this happens when you give out, when you allow to have four or five outs in the inning. Uh, usually it's runs that are scored's the bad thing. We might have lost a whole bunch of runs if we lose Ty France right now. I know they say x-rays are negative for any break at the time of this recording, but they still haven't done an MRA. I would guess he's going to be out for some time.
1: Yeah, and then for us winning the game in that ninth inning, like you said, only two runs. uh, Oakland put in their pitcher puck and... Kind of walked the park. He was wild, huh? That's how he scored uh, the yeah. game tying and winning runs.
0: First guy put some guys on who's not their closer, and okay. they bring this puck guy in, which was very strange. There was two outs in the game, and you changed for your closer, which is just a weird move to me. Um, also, when you're doing that, when there's not just, you know, Julio wasn't up there. Obviously, Ty France wasn't up there. Um, Winker wasn't even up there yet Because Winker's hot I'm going to you know, include him in this uh, thing uh, uh, I'm going to group him in this group For this game specifically um, It was weird The baseball gods were just on our sides We get a little league win But but, but we walk out of there With a sweep of the A's And look sometimes we're going to have to steal games like this You know it's the law of averages That's baseball <laughs>
1: Get ready to play hardball in the Kingdome. Take me to the ball game. I wanna see the ants. The
0: Mariners are playing hardball. Hit it again and again and again Hit it
1: again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdome.
0: So when you, you watched every game, this series on root sports, I watched a couple of games on root sports. I caught most of, uh, game two on the radio, but it was, it seemed to me to be, it seemed to me to be a pretty unique, pretty, um, well-produced series considering, you know, when you think about Oakland A's and you think about the Oakland A stadium, you don't think of a lot of production or anything. It's it's just an empty stadium with a few people here and a few people there. But I found it to be a very interesting, fun uh, series of production for, for the series. Didn't you think?
1: Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, during the broadcast, you could tell that Goldie and Flowers were laughing at each other, giggling, you know, uh, kind of sassy, pointing out people in the crowd. They were mentioning the hot dog guy. Um, for Oakland. He was banging on his big hot dog, kind of like well, you could hear container. It. You had to come yeah. out.
0: You could hear it. It's literally I don't know. I don't know what the attendance totals are. I'd have to go look. But yeah, I mean I'm rolling around in the car listening to the radio and you can actually hear the vendor being like last call for alcohol. Last call. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after this and like literally having a conversation you could kind of hear that the the uh, announcers had to just fill in a little bit of banter to to hide it out and it is an interesting place it is full of loyal fans i mean when nobody's going to the games you know which people are still going to the games the die hard nuts like us that's who's in there that's the you know these are the people that on a wednesday or a thursday take off work if they are even working you don't really have to have a really good job to get a ticket in in oakland um but yeah, they sit out there and they grill and they tailgate and they go in and I mean these fans are very, <laughs> very passionate. Uh the you know, you might see that it's empty there, but um that doesn't matter. The Oakland A's Coliseum staff will still make you sit in your goddamn seat. They don't it doesn't matter if you have a seat and the next three sections over are empty and you just wanna move up there, uh uh-uh, uh. You gotta show me your ticket, son. They So they were they keep that shit locked down like fucking Alcatraz.
1: They're very similar to the Teal coat ushers of uh, T-Mobile Park, huh? Well,
0: I don't think at T-Mobile, they, oh, you mean the old school? Uh, yeah, but
1: when I say it's the, te- uh, the Teal Ushers, I meant when, uh, when it was Safeco Field, when, I guess. Yeah, yeah that was I, a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I do remember when Safeco Field started out, they, they treated us like we were in a museum or something. You know, like, where are you going? What are you doing? Are you going over there? Uh, Yeah, you that doesn't go in the trash can. That goes in the recycling, you know. Um, but, yeah, they would check your tickets. Now they're pretty lax. They're pretty cool. Uh, But at Oakland, they are very hardcore on you. Also, the fans are very – not everybody, but you will get a few, you know, very territorial people because everything gets taken away from Oakland, and they're like, you know, they're very prideful people. They're in the shadow of San Francisco, you know, their big brother, their big sister – and that's where all the attention. That's where all the threats of things are, are moving to, either San Francisco, Santa Clara, or Las Vegas. Um, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for this loss for the A's uh, fan base, especially series, especially today. You know, um, they were showing Dallas Braden, you know, and talking about his old no hitter right before this whole thing turned around on them. I mean, it was a you know a day in the sun. For the Oakland A's, that, you know, turned into, you know, uh, a blizzard of shit. You know what I mean on them? So I do really enjoy that stadium. I know some people are like, it's old and it's crappy and it's this and it's that. But it's like, it's a part of, uh, you know, baseball history of, of an era that I think is pretty cool. Like the 60s and the 70s. I believe the thing is built in the 60s. Um you know, and that's the way they were making things like that, you know, that's the way they were making stadiums in the, you know, late 60s and 70s, just like, you know, the old stadiums like Fenway Park or Wrigley Field, they were constructed a certain way of like how they constructed parks back then, I think it's a big part of history, there are some great teams that have played there, there's been some epic moments that have happened, you know, you know. A million more awesome moments have happened there than that have happened at T-Mobile, Safeco, or the Kingdom put together, wouldn't you say? I mean, obviously, that's a Ron Fairley-Captain-obvious fucking statement, but right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've had incredible players, won world champions. Yeah, there's a lot of history down there.
0: Yeah, and and the stadium is pretty much the same. I mean, it doesn't look like they've done much. I know that they put, uh, you know, the big... I know that they added a layer around the outfield but that was for football. Um they added that extra deck and if that deck wasn't there there was a great view of the hills and stuff like that. Um you know, it's the kingdom. If you if you if you just imagine if you took the kingdom and you ripped the lid off of it or if the kingdom was driving down the street and it went underneath a semi and its top of the roof of the car got ripped off and now it's a convertible. That's that's what Oakland Alameda stadium is like um it's pretty cool
1: yeah and you know what else what makes it so unique is all that foul ball territory i mean on the broadcast they were flowers and goldie were going back and forth talking about the ball boys and they even mentioned i wouldn't be surprised if one of these ball boys lays out and wouldn't you know it but <laughs> he did he tried to make a great play down the left field line so yeah there's just the broadcast was good they talked about a lot of things the stadium's unique um it it was a cool three-game series
0: you know the people going after the balls they have a lot of room to work with over there you can get a good hard charge you can do like yeah like you said you can go out and you know make a run and fucking lay out for a ball um and that ball's going to pick up speed too it just doesn't hit the wall and kind of like slow down it picks up speed down that line. And it's kind of a tricky, uh, you know, place to play ball boy because also the bullpens, believe this or not, the bullpens people are still down the left and right field lines just like it used to be at the Old Kingdom, meaning if somebody is warming up or a pair of people are warming up, you got two catchers, you got two pitchers, and then you'll usually have somebody watching their back so nobody gets hit with a line drive. So you already have – you could possibly have five people standing just on the other side of the foul line, and you're the ball boy. you got to navigate through all of that. Also, if you're one of those outfielders, that's a lot of people to navigate through, and you have a bunch of people sitting on a bench right there. There is no no pen. There's no pen part of it. It's just the pitcher's corner, right?
1: Yeah, like you say, it's one of the last, uh, if not the last part, you still have that all the new parks have gone with the bullpen behind the outfield wall. So yeah, it's, it's what makes it unique. Another portion of it.
0: Yeah. It is basically the motel six of bullpens. (laughs) I mean, you go around and you look at the Mariners, obviously have a beautiful one at T-Mobile Anaheim even has a nice little one here. Even the Dodgers old Dodger stadium, they're, they're like, it really is a pen down at, at the end. Um, San Diego has that. Most of these modern places, they've coddled the, uh, bullpen pitchers because there's, look, there's such a big part of the game back in the eighties and the seventies and the sixties. And before that, what the fuck was a relief pitcher? That was a guy who was what? Pretty much not good enough to be a starter. So, and maybe one closer. So it was like, who cares? Let's just shove them over there. You know? Um, now they're the stars. Now they are staying at the Westin.
1: Yeah. And with the, talking of the foul ball boys, I mean, there's a lot of room for fans since there's not many fans there to get a foul ball. So you got a better chance of getting one going to that stadium as well. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, if you watch the broadcast or you go there, you will see a lot of foul balls go into the stands, and there's nobody for hundreds and hundreds of feet. It could be over in a section away f- away from you. So, literally, there's kids and adults running full tilt. It's just like watching two trains coming from the East Coast and the West Coast, and they're about to collide on this ball, you know, that's hit by somebody we don't even know whose name is. It's insane. They kept showing it on the, on the uh, broadcast, and, yes, you – You also have the room and you have the range to move around to make like a catch versus, you know, just throwing elbows and, uh, you know, people in your way. You definitely have some real estate there.
1: I have a little project. Well, once again, Edgar Martinez is using Eagle Hardware's incredible selection of brand-name power tools for its latest project. And uh, here's a surprise. Uh, For once, it's not a bat. Oh, it is a bat.
0: It's a light bulb. Eagle Hardware and Garden. More of everything. So one of the cooler thing, I think the coolest thing that I saw on the broadcast, there's a lot to lot to talk about, but would probably be the coverage of this guy called Foul Ball Guy. Uh, I guess his name is Ryan. Uh, Jen Mueller went over and found out what his whole story was. But basically, it was an Oakland A's fan. His name is Ryan. And he has tickets. He has season tickets that he, like, basically did, like, a money ball thing. You know what I mean, Hannah? Like, he got out the analytics. He crunched the numbers of, like, where the best spot in the stadium is to catch a foul ball.
1: Oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah, so he does this. And apparently, he goes and picks a seat. And then he finds out that the person next to him also is like the foul ball guru who's there so he didn't want to like tread on his territory he crunched the numbers again and he found a spot on the other side of the stadium where he's been you know making his due in today's broadcast they showed him making a really nice catch so they kept the cameras on him naturally and they the cameras captured him making some sort of cash exchange with another fan giving him the ball and And I, it wasn't a Julio ball. It wasn't a Ty France ball. It Hell, it wasn't even an Elvis Andrews ball. I don't know whose, whose ball it was. But they capture him doing a money exchange. So they just keep the cameras on him. They keep talking about him. Goldsmith's like, well, you got to have a side racket. Well, they're kind of like blowing his side racket. Well, to make matters even more awkward, they sent Jen Mueller over there <laughs> to talk to him. And then apparently he isn't uh selling baseballs he was he gives them to fans he says he catches at least one ball a game sometimes more obviously he knows where to be and he gives them out to fans fans try to give him money but when they they try to give money he doesn't take any money for himself he gives it to a donation um so and then they plug this donation i'm sorry it's slipping my brain right now it's a great story or is it all part of the hustle
1: yeah, so he's, chart, he's charting balls, foul balls, decides where to move to collect the balls, gives them to away to kids, even adults, and then they give him money, and then he makes a donation. Uh, I could see it, but it definitely could be maybe a side hustle. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're blowing his, they were blowing his uh, his cover. No, I I bet he's doing this. Yeah, he just found out where to sit. So the next time you go to Oakland look down the third baseline up to the top deck and find foul ball guy. And that's the place to sit if you want to catch a foul ball. If you are completely freaked out by a foul ball coming towards you, like my girlfriend has before, uh, stay on the opposite side of the stadium from him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what Nate. you're right. You bring up this topic about the broadcast and which made it unique. Cause there's so little people there and, that the, the uh, announcers can zoom in on people pretty easy. And then the cameras obviously, and it, it just brought a different element to the broadcast and the game.
0: Yeah. And there's shirts that are sold when you go up there, it says MLB's last dive bar. And I think that is a very accurate description of, of what the Oakland stadium is. There's lots of characters, it's it's not packed. It does remind you of a local dive bar on a Wednesday at 2 p.m. And uh, you know how originally I said that there was another guy that he, like, went over and basically, like, shadowed or just was, like, the guru of the uh, the foul balls? Yeah. He actually isn't up there anymore because he's part of the ground crew. So... I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny is when they were talking about the Ball Boys, I guess they found out that they were brothers, and they said that their father is a groundskeeper for the Ace. I wonder if that's him, you know?
0: Sounds like a lot of nepotism to me, my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the Kingdom Shuttle. Metro Transit Shuttle that runs in addition to regular bus service for all major kingdom events. It lets you park far
0: We're going to get to our Angels Series preview and our Mike Trout uh, preview of what's going on this weekend here in Southern California as the Mariners are traveling down here. Close enough to me. Not that close. I still have to drive, you know, 45 minutes if I'm lucky, you know, an entire uh, movie length. If I don't plan ahead, I'm hoping to get to all three of the games. I will be in attendance tonight slash today in Anaheim because we need to see if my, we, me, we, and by we, I mean I personally need to see my scoreless inning, uh, scoreless inning streak. and, And by scoreless inning streak, I'm not talking about the Mariners not giving up runs. I'm talking about the Mariners actually scoring any runs. That's right. I have not seen a Seattle Mariner in attendance score you know foot on the plate high fives inside baseball high fives celebration in the dugout clapping high-fiving uh, somebody next to me doing the nods feeling the here we go we're on the board i have not felt that for i have not felt that for 30 innings now hannah 30 innings And if you need need to check my resume, let me tell you, here it is. The final two Mariners home games against the Angels, we were shut out. Prior to that, I went to the final Minnesota game, nine innings of scoreless ball. And then going back to that Monday of that Minnesota game that I was there, they did not score the last two runs. In fact, the last time I saw a Mariner plate themselves, or anybody touch home plate. Taylor Trammell, solo home run, game one of the Minnesota series.
1: So you're telling me that it's been 30 innings, about three and a half games. I think the Mariners have been shut out maybe eight or nine times this year. So you've been a part of almost half. In person. I'm In person. So I, I, I'm cautiously concerned or no, I am concerned about you going to game tomorrow.
0: Uh, well, I'm going cause I need this. I can't be this person. I can't be the like, Hey, you got to stay home <laughs> or the Mariners don't score. We're going to figure this out. I might have to go down there for batting practice early and see what exactly is going on. Because I was a little bit scared today seeing how the Mariners came out. Yes. Yes. Montas was dealing, but he was throwing a lot of strikes. So I was a little bit concerned, and I was like, I better not go. But, no, I am going down there, and we're going to see how long this goes. Hopefully this is a non-topic anymore. But, yeah, I'm at I'm at 30 innings. You know, if I, you know, get two-thirds more of what I have right now, I have uh, beaten Oral Hershiser's scoreless record, a major league record that has stayed since uh, – what, 1988
1: or 1989? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, the ride Red Mustard should take a little credit for giving the guys a little kick in the ass last, last episode um, for how they performed in Oakland. But if the M's don't score tomorrow night, we have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility of that, too. You know, it works both ways
0: okay I will I'm I am saying this I, it does work both ways you are right but that's a good segue into we have the angels this weekend we are in Anaheim for three games uh you know what's it what's the series preview uh what's a series preview look like I would say my preview of the team is don't pitch to Mike Trout uh there should be a t-shirt day at the uh, ballpark that says walk Trout um that was given to me by the bartender in uh, Edgar's bullpen shout out to him uh but yeah i think that's a great idea a walk mike trout uh revolution when it comes to Mariners pitchers i mean he hit 5 home runs last week in 5 games 9 runs batted in as Mariners hit what eight the entire series so some could say Mike Trout beat the Mariners, right?
1: Oh, exactly. And, uh, you know, he tied. Uh, I'll give you a little trivia. Mike Trout tied for the all-time um, player to hit the most home runs against the Mariners. Who was he tied with? Do you know?
0: Rafael Palmero.
1: Yeah, it. A steroided,
0: a, a steroided up player from the 80s and 90s. Pitch, you know, we're not blaming the pitching staff or the coaching staff, really. We're just in those situations. It kind of sucks. But at the end of the day, those weren't high-scoring games that we lost there where we lost a 8-6 to six game or, you know what I mean, or a slugfest. These were low, low-scoring games that Mike Trout was pretty much the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was Mariners versus Mike Trout. At least that's what that last series felt like. Hopefully this won't be the same. I mean, he did get five home runs against us, but our pitchers were able to strike him out a few times. But like you said, it was just a situational portion of the game where we could not let him beat us, and he did. Need help? Yeah, and I've got
0: 10 minutes to get to the radio station.
1: Ah, here's the problem
0: ever listen to KDL1? Should I? Stetson Cologne. Comfortable, easy to wear.
1: And for that great smelling guy who started my car, I get off at six. Easy to wear, hard to resist. Stetson pants.
0: My girlfriend likes to listen to talk radio when she goes to work and stuff like that. And she listens to a show, it's like G, Scott, and Ursula, which is like what the brother, sister, parent company to 710 Sports Seattle. I believe they're on the FM and here's what's interesting that I didn't know. Rick Riz, one of our favorite people of all time, he has the Rick Riz show over there on every Monday.
1: Okay, does a segment with them or an hour? Or something. He
0: It is like a 10-15 minute segment and on this last episode which was this Monday they decided they they decided to bring up topic of a lot of baseball players batters being hit by baseballs and uh, a lot of pitchers are pointing to this slippery ball um and then when i brought this up to you you said this is a big ongoing thing i know it kind of is too it's not like i'm so numb to it that i don't know but this has been a pressing matter especially this week right now uh can you tell me more about this the slick ball uh, debate or controversy?
1: Yeah, well, um, remember in the last um, homestand against Anaheim, uh, they had a pitcher pitching, and he uh, it was the pitcher who um, hit Justin Upton in the head. Do you remember that? I do, I do. So, you know, you just kind of think the ball got away from him, but I saw an interview with him after the game, and he was complaining about how the balls weren't rubbed down and kind of going off on whoever's responsibility it is and just saying he's never seen so many slick balls for a game in his life and he kind of called out whoever the person was to rub them down for Seattle so he was very frustrated by it, saying they're slick and I mean I've heard so much about the balls this year, whether it be, it's a dead ball, it's a juiced ball. Now it's the slick ball. So, you know, uh, I, I remember Dave Niehaus always talking about how they always used to rub them down with that Mississippi mud and get them ready for gameplay. So I, apparently that's not happening in Seattle.
0: Well, uh, now, but Rick Riz claims that that's, that's, that accusation i basically is saying like that's not true our guy i know the guy i know that he rubs the balls down the same way every time and it's absolute and it's actually not mississippi mud it's delaware river mud so they, they rub every ball with delaware river mud and they rub according to this uh interview they the guy rubs them down the same way every time now every ball now has to be in a humidor in every stadium did you hear about that i think there was only like six or a dozen teams prior to this year that used to do that but they they have to they keep the balls in the humidor every one of these stadiums
1: no kidding so it did it say in there in this interview about uh how many balls they rub down per game. Is that like three dozen or five more than that? Probably like six dozen balls.
0: Yeah. I can't remember how I don't know if they say per se uh, amount, but I did find another article actually the LA times from two, two days ago. And okay. um, it's basically breaking down the procedures of uh, the procedure that every team is supposed to follow. And there's an article in the LA times, which you can get for free right now here. Um, this article for free. It's by uh, Ronald Blum of the Associated Press. And basically the article is saying this. It says, Major League Baseball is standardizing procedures for rubbing baseballs and the removal of humidors in effort to establish more consistency amid complaints about slickness that has followed the crackdown on the sticky substances. So basically... Major League Baseball has been working on standards over the course of the season in response to, like, the feedback from the players that's been sent to as a memoriam outlining changes. Uh, This just happened this week to general managers and clubhouse managers, and the memo is actually titled Updates to Baseball Storage and Handling. So every team was given this memo. There's been a lot of scrutiny, like we've said. Uh, about the preparation and when you said how many are readied for each game
1: according to this
0: article it's 13 dozen
1: are oh man double what i actually thought that's a lot
0: what did you say how many dozen
1: well at first i said three but i'm thought better of it and thought six at least
0: yeah and the use of the humidor uh i do remember this it began by the rockies in 2002 um, yep. I remember they had to do that cause they're up a mile high. And then this expanded into Arizona in 2019 and three other teams jumped in in 2020. And that was a total of 10 last year in this season. It was all 30 teams. And according to this too, it's saying that MLB is mandating that a ball be stored in the humidor for at least 14 days before the game's use. So an an entire fortnight an entire Angels fourteen game losing streak. There was a set of balls. <laughs> there was a set of balls in this humidor, and the ball storage must be recorded by the team's game day compliance monitor, and then certified and signed by form by the clubhouse manager. I mean, this is just like COVID testing. This looks like some COVID testing for these balls. Uh, all balls uh, projected. And it says, "quote All balls projected to be used in specific games must be muddied within three hours of all the other balls being used in a game." So, basically, you can't have a muddied ball that you muddied yesterday, and then I have one from today or, or from this morning. I mean, this, this, this—they don't allow it. There's no like this has been in the refrigerator or the humidor for x. Ex- this is, you know, okay.
1: Could you imagine the space that is needed to have 13 dozen balls for up to 14 days before? I mean, to me, maybe that picture might add something on what was going on with the Seattle ball, uh, you know? Um, <laughs> hey, that's a That would take up a lot of room.
0: Yeah, so you can't have a ball from yesterday's game in today's game. It's a completely different set. It doesn't matter if they go through 13 dozen balls, which I wonder if they're going to. I mean, you get a 10, yeah. 15 pitch at bat, you get pitchers not liking the balls. I mean, I guess you got to have 13.
1: Yeah. Cause I do remember during that game where that angel pitcher hit, um, up ten. And even before that pitch happened, you know, the cat, he was asking for more than one ball, you know, the catchers towards yeah, the mound, that meme, he looked yeah. at it.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. It also says, quote, baseball should not be out of the humidor for more than two hours at any point prior to first pitch. And if it takes the club longer than two hours, the baseball should be pulled out of the humidor in smaller batches. The memo also followed review of the video's, of each team's rubbing procedures, everybody, uh, you know, we had to see how they rub their balls. Every team, we had to see how they rub their balls. I get it. Um, so MLB is instructing that each staff club member involved in the process of ball rubbing should apply mud in a uniform manner, ensuring that the same mud to water mud to water ratio is applied to each ball. Rubbing mud should be applied to each ball for at least 30 seconds, ensuring that the mud is rubbed thoroughly and consistently into the entire leather surface of the ball.
1: Man, this is complex and very technical, yeah. you
0: know? But wait, there's more. After, okay. rubbing, after rubbing the balls, after rubbing, balls are to be put back in the Rawlings boxes boxes divided between each other and return to the humidor until the games until the home home team's game day compliance monitor gets them for use in an effort to reduce time okay ball bags balls ball bags and balls are taken from the humidor 15 to 30 minutes before the schedule start then no more than 96 balls at a time When needed, up to 96 or more balls that needed to be taken from the humidor. They should not be mixed in balls with the earlier bunch. A bag must be cleaned with a damp cloth and then a dry cloth before it's used and to make sure there is no excess residue, dust, or moisture on any of the balls. Kind of sounds like the instructions on this Manscaped ball wipe that I uh, I had, but yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, this is the latest thing since the, you know, the sticky substances of last year. Remember, everybody, everybody was getting... Yeah, that spider getting tack. The spider tack. And, uh you know, Rob Manford, the commissioner, who's always going to be pleased with everything, says it's a step along... The road into returning to more entertaining former baseball. He likes what's going on with the baseball. He has also said, quote, the process has already shown very promising effects in the terms of play of the game on and on the field. Batting averages, slugging percentages, all those offensive categories have improved. Strikeouts are down. base on balls are down. We have not seen any material increase in the players being hit by pitches. Those are all huge positives. Well. I don't know if I agree with that because I don't yeah. I don't think we're seeing the most entertaining style of baseball, especially when, you know, a lot of our players are being hit and taken out. I mean, now you go back to the Houston Astros series where we were fighting and throwing the ball. How many of those balls were just slipping out of people's hands? True. You know, they're saying, Hey, the guy that hit, you know, France and the back and forth, they're like, Well, he's a control pitcher, then he's obviously throwing inside. Maybe the thing's just slipping out of his hand. Maybe the thing slipped out of the hand that hit Kyle Lewis that hit off his shoulder, hit him in the head.
1: Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds more like that was the case. I don't really think it was in the Houston series. It looks like they were trying to drill those guys, maybe not France, but you know, when they threw it above, uh, Suarez's head.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have these guys having this tack on their hands and putting the ball where it wants to be, especially when they're throwing a hundred miles an hour versus i don't know where this thing is going i i I hope it's going over here but i don't know i can't get a good grip i don't know about you
1: yeah i mean i'm curious you know when i when you when they throw the you see the balls they don't they look kind of pearly white you know they don't look that rubbed down but what do i know root sports is that hd isn't the best either well, <laughs> i'll
0: tell you what um I'm going to have to get down to the stadium and i have to get one of these these balls this weekend and we'll get to the bottom of it. We'll send it to the lab. Um, you know, uh, I know some people um, in the biotech uh, community, maybe they can take it into their scientific labs and figure this all out for us.
1: Yeah, Palmer John LeBron would be an excellent candidate to look it over. Absolutely.
0: He probably has a kit ready to go.
1: Mariner catcher Mark Hill doesn't know we have hidden cameras. You guys ain't got no hidden cameras around here, do you? Oh, no, no. We just wanted to ask you about these two baseballs. Which one do you think is the whiter of the two, Mark? Well, I would say this one. It's all brand new and white. You picked this one here. Do you know which ball you just picked, Mark? You picked the Mariner's ball. No, you're kidding me. That's right. You gotta be kidding. No. Ball night is Saturday, August 16th at the Kingdom. Every kid 14 and under gets a new baseball free. I like this baseball. I would come to ball night.
0: okay so last so last week's shit list and again the shit list is just us going like come on get off of our good get off of getting back in our good graces we love you again the shit list it's like being in the doghouse we've all been in the doghouse we've all been on the shit list we know it's you know you can get off of it and that's what we're hoping here it's a little bit of reverse psychology we're trying to do here Again, our shit list at the start of this week was Torrens, Toro, Winker, Moore, and Frazier. Over the last three games, I'm just gonna ask you, Hannah, are they trending up? Are they trending up? Are they trending up out of the, the toilet or are they going deeper in? Okay, you ready? Ready. Torrens.
1: Uh stays the same.
0: Stays the same. Yeah, he did get a hit in the night. Uh, you know, he has a lot of uh, you know. He doesn't get a lot of frequent at-bats, but, you know, the zero home runs, no power, still bothering me. Um, a little bit of the framing of the pitches is still kind of bugging me. Um, you could tell the difference between him and Raleigh behind the plate with the news of uh, Tom Murphy, you know, not coming back this season. Uh, I would expect the Mariners to be out shopping for a catcher if they could find one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toro. Uh,
1: he hasn't really done anything to improve since last series either. I He's stayed.
0: And I'm not going to be mad at him for throwing the ball a little bit up on the line. That was a tough play. you know? True. Uh, I want to see him quit popping the ball out more. Um, he was one of the more exciting guys last year. He was getting a lot of infield singles, running balls out. Now he's popping the ball up too much. I would think if he put the ball on the ground, uh, obviously you want him to drive it. The numbers. Was- would be up. He hasn't hit a home run since what, the first month? Mu- you know, he had six home runs, what, in pretty much April? Beginning of May. We haven't seen a home run out of him in a long time. Uh, also struggling with the bases loaded. Winker.
1: Uh, he's trending up.
0: He is trending up. We talked about it at the beginning. A couple of home runs. some Good walks in game three. Dylan Moore.
1: Um. Yeah, I haven't he hasn't done anything sp- that spectacular. I know he steals a couple bases here and there, scored the tying run today, but I don't think it's enough yet.
0: He's still sitting there. And then Frazier, I, st- I still think he's still got it. I know he broke up the no hitter today, but that was, and then had like a, you know, a fielder's choice RBI, you know, in a game that we sure. were routing people. I still got to have him right there on the list. He hasn't done much to trend up and out of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's He hasn't done anything to uh, get himself out of the shit list today. But like you said, he broke up a an no hitter And he's, yeah, I haven't seen anything too spectacular from him, so he's staying.
0: Okay, so our shit list still remains the same, but with Winker trending up and out of it. Hey, we'll check in on uh, Monday and we'll see where our shit list is at. Wait, I think we're missing somebody on the shit list. What's the guy's name, Hannah?
1: I think maybe Kopi should go on the shit Chris list. I'm seen I'm yeah, this, shit yeah, I'm missing this episode.
0: Definitely on the shit list. Maybe we'll have him back this Sunday night, Monday morning when we record. Um, yeah, we're running out of time here, but just want to say, uh, you know, if you're down at the An- Anaheim uh, series this weekend, you know, uh, put on your social media, uh, tag us on your social media. Also, thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing our uh, podcast here, the Rye Bread and Mustard Podcast. We thank you. We definitely need your help, so keep, you know, liking, subscribing, and sharing. You know, if you have more than one account and you're subscribed on one of those, I'm not going to tell anybody. Come on. No, I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying do the bot thing. I'm just saying if there's anybody else that you think might like this or you want to share this on your social media, please do. Also, uh, there's, uh, a rating system on these streaming sites. Go ahead and give us, you know, a five-star review. If you think we're a five-star reviewable, you know, if, if you think that five stars is what encapsulates what we are, we'd love that. Uh, also write us a review. These kinds of things help us bring you more episodes of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. So again, thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing, and you know, getting the word out about the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. I'll be down at the Big A this weekend. I think at all three of the games. Again, look for the shirt. I know that we're sweeping everything under the rug with this sweep that just happened. I'm hoping, uh, you know, we're gonna be sweeping some more under the rug, and let's all hope that Ty France is okay. Right, Hannah.
1: Yeah, we, we're we going to need
0: them. We're going to need them. We're going to need them. Also, you know, this is going to be, and if Ty France is out, there'll be probably some interesting moves being made, I would I would assume. We'll find all that out, and we'll talk about all that on the next episode. But this was episode 17. No, I'm wrong. This was episode 18 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. Hanno, you know what time it is.
1: Well, I think I should hold off again because we won in three in a row since I haven't done it.
0: I was just fucking testing you. (laughs) All
1: right, we're out. Where are you going to get this thing out?
0: Oh, I'm going to edit this shit right now.
1: Oh, so tomorrow about 4 (laughs) p.m.? Probably. Who knows?